Portland's beer scene frequently gets credit for being one of the biggest and best in the country. I mean, not just our city. Oregon as a whole won 23 medals at this year's Great American Beer Festival. But at a time when major corporations are buying up smaller producers and hard seltzer is taking away market shares, I wondered how our city's smaller breweries and beer bars were faring. So today on CityCast Portland, we're talking with Brian Cook owner of the Lombard House, a cozy beer bar in North Portland. Brian has either made or sold Portland beer for over a decade and is sharing some of his favorite brewmakers and pints. Stick around and find out what makes Portland's beer scene so special. It's Tuesday, October 24th. I'm Claudia Meza, and this is what Portland's talking about. You know, you've been working at some of the best Portland breweries and beer bars for like 13 years now, right? And you have your own place. From where you started to where you are now, like what has changed in the Portland beer scene? A lot, I would say. Um, I think things that have changed is um, the wave of like Portland being a destination nationally, like tourist wise Mm -hmm. uh, for beer. Since COVID and after, I think that's waned quite a bit. But um, one thing that's really changed is like watching all of my friends grow from like the assistant brewer to like now I'm the head brewer. Now I'm winning like GBF gold medals and World Beer Cup medals. And so it's been kind of interesting to watch like young dish dogs become like old heads in the beer scene. Yeah. Here's the thing that I find really interesting. You know, I'm not a beer head, but I do know enough that like there's these smaller breweries like 10 barrel then they get like bought by like Budweiser or whatever but at the same time beer drinking has been going down just a bit because of like White Claw and like all these other seltzer type drinks there's like two forces that are like you know coming down upon like grassroots brewers grassroots like you guys are activists you know just like (laughs) smaller brewers is that like a good assumption or like Um, I'm just wondering if the money's changing the scene in any way the money is definitely changing the scene in that everything costs more to produce. Yeah. And the numbers of consumers is falling. But I can think of a bunch of people who came from conglomerates who then went on to, you know, to start their own breweries and vice versa. You know, it's a very, the beer world is interesting because you can't really find a brewery that like doesn't have like some like family tree where everyone sort of worked at one place or another. Yeah. My concern is when some of these big guys come in, they come in and they buy up these small brands and then they crush that brand. Mm-hmm. But again, I if you're running a brewery, the, the overhead that you're dealing with is insane. And so I think sometimes you either lose everything or you sell out, you know? Man, that's so depressing, Brian. I know. <laughs> you just really painted a, a really sad picture. Yeah. But it still doesn't seem to be affecting the quality or the amount of beer coming out of Portland. Like, if you had to explain the Portland beer scene to someone from a different place, like, what would you say is unique about it? Like, how is it different from, like, Denver or California? So I I spent some time in the East Coast, Mm -hmm. like, beer scene in college, working at a brewery. And I worked at a a brewery just outside of Denver in the late 90s. And I'm kind of out of the loop now as a beer bar owner, but when I was in the loop here, it's more of, like, a brother and sisterhood where, like, you can call a brewery and be like, we need a yeast pitch. Can What do you have? There's a lot of sharing and a lot of like genuine caring about each other in the scene. Mm-hmm. And I think the idea that like the more the merrier and, you know, we thrive together was certainly like something I noticed when I came out here. Right. You know, that's what I hear a lot about Portland just in general. Um, 
pretty much all saints, people always say like, oh, it's people just want to help you. Well, that and again, like that was 20 years ago. So I don't know. I don't want to speak for it now, but it's certainly what I can speak to is that like in Portland, it's historically been it's a family like at the Oregon Beer Awards every year. It's like a weird dysfunctional family party. Yeah, I've been to like wine uh, events and it feels very much the same way. Like everyone's so excited to be there. They're just wearing their like regular clothes. They're like you know, muddy boots, like they just came from their field. Sure. Yeah. And everyone's so yeah. chill. And I just really love that. You know, what I appreciate as a beer bar owner is like, I get to present everyone's hard work, hopefully in like a respectful and like proper way, like clean lines, the right glass. Part of what I, I do think has changed a little bit in the beer scene in Portland is like drinking intentionally and like mm -hmm. understanding the stories and like the people behind the beers that you're drinking. Right. So what, are some breweries that are upholding that Portland vibe you just laid out. Uh, I know that one of them was actually some someone who won big at this great beer festival, which is Von Ebert Brewing, based in Northwest. Yeah. So my connection with Von Ebert is through their head brewer, Sam. And um, he and I work together at the Commons Brewery. He's a wealth of knowledge, and he's a very talented guy who's very, I think, um, low-key for his talent as he is. His flagship recipe, Volatile Substance IPA, won... Great American Beer Fest Gold. It's like the hardest, one of the hardest categories to win. Um, what we have on draft this week is their fresh hop version of it. Mm -hmm. I'm going to ask you a little bit about the beers because to be honest, if you're not a, like a beer person, you just don't understand the difference between like a fresh hop and like, you know, like, is that an IPA? So fresh hops, it's, it's sort of like a celebration of like the Northwest and our terroir and like the idea that, so hops are harvested in like late August through September. And normally the hops are what give, certainly IPAs, um, but any beer like that kind of resiny notes or like those citrusy notes. And hops are typically kiln dried. And that drying process gives some of the more nuanced flavors of the hops. Well, fresh hop beers are kind of like a celebration of the season. And basically you go and you get the hops that are cut like from the farm that day, you bring them right back and then over the years, especially, you know, in Oregon and Washington, brewers have learned different methods to use those fresh hops to get the flavors that they want. Well, let's talk about another brewery. Um, you also brought up, like, is it Bearlick? Am I saying that right? Yeah, it's Bearlick. Bearlick Brewing in Southeast, right? Yeah, they're on Southeast 11. Um, I have a particular place in my heart for that place because my buddy Jim Parker, who is like a well-known maniac in the beer scene, the man who formed the first tap house really ever in the United States. Wow. Uh, he was a very itchy feet guy. He never really worked anywhere for more than like 12 or 14 months. And he he did like a two or three year tenure at Bearlick. And he was sort of someone I looked up to as like a big brother. And uh, he went out of his way and like delivered our first keg like a day early because he wanted to be like the first one to deliver me a beer. For your shop? Yeah. So it was like the first beer we poured through our taps. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, he passed away a couple of years ago. Um, but he's uh, anywhere you go in the beer scene, if you if you say Parker, someone's going to say up yours. You know, that <laughs> yeah. was like his uh, his favorite toast. Uh, Bearlick always does Jim Parker's holiday ale every mm -hmm. year. So that'll be coming out like pre-Christmas. Uh, Jim was the inventor of the Tacho. Like if you look up his obituary, it says Jim Parker, publican and inventor of the Tacho has died. Okay, hold on, hold on. Because this is this has been a contested like who invented because I heard it was the Selwood pub 
Is he part of? Yeah. The, so he's the owner. Yeah, he was one of the, he was one of the guys who made that. Yeah, the public house. I feel like our entire podcast is is become like a loose veil for us doing an investigative piece on who invented the Tacho. Like I feel like through this investigation, we're learning about <laughs> city politics, but really, like the thread that that like connects all of our daily podcasts mm-hmm. is just us saying the word Tacho at least once. I'm telling you, if you ever want to do the research, you go down to the Selwood Public House. Okay. So Jim Parker, who opened up the Selwood Public House, was that the first tap room in America? No. So he had a place called the Mountain Tap House in Fort Collins, Colorado in like 1997. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. So if you really want to bring in the holiday season, Bear Lick Brewing, it's the P- Parker Holiday Ale? Yeah, Jim Parker's Holiday Ale. And when you drink it, you just have to say up yours to whoever you're drinking with. And maybe just order some tachos if they have some. Yeah. All right, let's take a quick break here. And when we come back, more of Brian Cook's Portland Beer Picks. Well, let's talk about, um, I think there's two more breweries you wanted to to mention. Uh, There's, is it Yovu Beer in North Portland? Am I saying that right? Yovu? Yeah, it is. So Yovu Beer is um, my friend Nate Yovu. But it's it's funny, like, again, like the, the whole concept of like, the story and like drinking intentionally like his wife Christine was my daughter's kindergarten teacher and my daughter missed like three quarters of the year she did zoom kindergarten which was like absolute chaos right Mm -hmm. she was like not digging school and then she went she got three months with this woman Christine and her whole like script flipped and she loved school and like this lady made everything magical (laughs) and she was doing summertime catch-up uh, for the kids. And so I, I was over at her house and I was like reading a book and she's like, Hey, do you want to see my husband's brewery? And as someone in beer, you're like, I definitely don't want to see your husband's like <laughs> homebrew setup. No. <laughs> right. But then she opened a garage and it's like a real brewery in this garage, like nicer than some of the ones I've worked at. And, uh, it was just shocking to me. And so he, he launched his brand in the last year. And like, it's a very North Portland owned business. And like, like when you buy that beer, you know, you're like, money's going towards a woman who teaches our children. Mm-hmm. And then he also, he did me a, a big favor because he he made a like a Yingling-esque clone. And uh, it's called Aiden's John. Mm-hmm. And uh, Aiden is um, the son of my childhood friend TJ. And he um, lost his battle with mental health last year. And so a dollar of like all the beers, um, Aiden's John's, when we have the uh, Phillies and Eagles games, goes uh, towards like the fund his parents have set up in his honor. Mm. And so again, the whole concept of like drinking intentionally, you know, you're you're paying my bills, you're paying Nate's bills, throwing a little money towards a very good cause, you know, mm-hmm. and especially in the beer industry, that's, it's been an issue. We've lost a few people who like, we might've been able to keep around if there was like proper mental health and, you know, other services available, I'd say. Right. So when you go to Yovu Beer in North Portland, there's no brewery. It's just he's just he's just a brand. Oh, gotcha. So there's no brewery. It's just his garage. No. So you, where do you buy his beer there? You definitely buy it at Lombard House. We have it on almost all the time. <laughs> so Lombard House has it on tap. Gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. I'd say uh, he's been good. Like if you just about any brewery or like beer bar, mm-hmm. but I think you can get it like Saravesa. I think they've had it on a tulip shop, and I I think I've seen it on. It might have been on at Slim's. Cool. I'll check it out. So the last uh, brewery you wanted to talk about was Upright Brewing in North Portland. And the beer pick that you wanted to uh, 
share with us is is special herbs. Tell me like what's so special about this brewery? Yeah, this is definitely this brewery. I'd say is like the one that is closest to my heart. Like in my time in Portland, mm-hmm. uh, my friend Alex owns it, and I was in Texas and taught in like juvenile detention and drug and alcohol rehab for a couple of years, and then moved back up here and was completely out of the beer business. And Alex gave me my first job back in beer, and he's just like a super close friend of mine. I, I actually performed his wedding in the backyard at Lombard House this summer. Wow. He's one of the most humble brewers ever. Like, he doesn't enter any contests. He doesn't really care about all that stuff, but he's, like, one of the best brewers, I'd say, like, in the world. But And Special Herbs is, is, like, one of the reasons why, like, I think the brewery is special is because he's been making this beer for 13 years, I feel like. And it's it's calendula, yarrow coriander it's a it's like a botanical saison that they age in gin and wine barrels and then blend together and like it's amazing you touched on it earlier it can be intimidating to come into a beer bar and be like i don't know what any of this is right right and that beer i can kind of like get the grandpa who wanted to drink like a rainier you're like try this and it's it's approachable and when when alex puts it out he could easily over the years have charged like double what he's charged for it but he's like very consciously like made beer to be like accessible and like he wants a bar back or a dish dog to be able to go out and like buy that beer and not be broke. Special herbs sounds so good. <laughs> like really it just good. sounds it so is. good. Um, you know, one of the best beers I've ever had. It was this brewery in this small town in Washington uh, called Anacortes. Uh, this was so long ago, like maybe 15 years ago. I don't remember the name. I don't know if like they're still around, but they made like a chamomile beer. And I know that sounds kind of gross, oh, yeah. but it was so refreshing. It was so good. And it was like the most delicious beer I've ever had. And I think about it like, I think about it way too often. Well, that's cool, right? And that's what I was, what kind of what we've been talking about, right? Because like when you think about that beer, you probably think about like that time in your life mm-hmm. and like what you were doing and like, you know, it's um, it's hard for me to articulate sometimes because it can sound like hokey, but like I know how hard all these people work, right, to make these beers. And so I want Lombard House to mostly be a community gathering place, right? And mm-hmm. it's a beer bar, but I do enjoy being able to like educate people about these beers because it can it can be like intimidating. But once you start learning about it, it's it's fascinating, right? And I do think we need to take a field trip to Upright because they've definitely done a chamomile beer before oh yeah there's a lot of like i think you're gonna like all the different saisons they do so go check out all these places just don't show up at nate's house and knock on his door (laughs) um so before we wrap up anything coming up at lombard house you want to tell us about well um hopefully a little philly's uh, playoff run will continue um (laughs) so you know all my philly friends come out and, and watch the games um there's some talk of a Thanksgiving potluck this year. Oh, nice. Yeah, just come on in. It's a, If you haven't been, we're at 7337 North Lombard. It's a it's a fun little community. Like, if you come in, there's no way you won't leave without meeting new friends and having a good time. I've been a few times, and the first time I ever went in, uh, I think you were just giving out free beer because a friend of yours passed away, and you were celebrating oh. his life. And you were just like— That was the day Ryan Buxton passed away, yeah. And I just remember that, like, really impacted me. I was just like, this place is so special. Yeah, that kind of ties back into what we were talking about earlier. But, yeah, that was was a horrible day. But I'm glad that, like, see, that's that's kind of what it's about, right? That connection happened, and, like, there's a good memory out of that. I forgot that that was the day, but, yeah, thanks for sharing that with me. 
Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing all of your memories and, and all your knowledge. Yeah, thank you. And now for your microdose of news. Staffing a larger city council and adding the new role of city administrator could cost the city of Portland an extra $13 million a year. That's higher than the previous estimates and does not include the transition costs, such as renovating offices. But for perspective, the city's full yearly budget is $7.1 billion. So, you know. Also, a San Francisco-bound Alaska Airlines flight coming out of Washington was forced to divert to PDX this Sunday when an off-duty pilot on board tried to shut down the plane's engines. The Multnomah County Sheriff's Office charged Joseph Emerson with 83 felony counts of attempted murder, 83 misdemeanor counts of reckless endangerment, and one count of endangering an aircraft. Thankfully, no injuries were reported. For even more local news and events, sign up for our daily newsletter, Hey Portland. We'll throw a link in the show notes. That's all for today here on CityCast Portland. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more from around the city. Until then, see you at Slim's. <laughs>